you've been redeemed today? Let me hear you. Have you been redeemed by the Lord, by the blood of the Lamb? Thank you, Lord. Jesus is alive and well, very well. Thank you for that. Thankful that I have the risen Savior living inside of me. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in this place. We worship you today, God. Let me out of the desert. Brought me into his streams, river of living water. Turned my bitter into sweet. All my burdens are lifted. You took the shackles off my feet. There's no sound louder than a captive set free. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promise. The work is 
remind me of your love. You are good. In the morning I sing, you Cause you have always been patient You have always been kind And you're consistent through the ages Oh, what a friend of mine So I'll remind my soul to bless you Standing firm upon your truth Knowing you cannot be shaken Cause I've right now to just worship him and let all the cares of the world everything that you're going through just kind of melt off in his presence when he's magnified other things get smaller so let's continue to worship him let's press in right now
Yes, Lord Jesus, you are good to us. You are good to us, Father. You are good to us. We are here. We are breathing. We are here to worship God. You are good to us. A lot of people don't have this opportunity to gather together in the house of the Lord with other believers and worship and praise, and you are good to us, Lord. Lord, even in those moments where we've got trials and complications in our life, you are still good. You are still good and, and worthy of our praise, Father. We thank you for who you are this morning, Father. Lord, in the evening, in the morning, in the mid-afternoon, you are good. You are good. And you sustain us, God. We praise you. We thank you for that right now. Have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, lead us where you want us to go as a church, Father. Praise your name, Father. I worship you right now. We give you the praise, Father. Be with us through the rest of this service. And God, change people. Change people because that's what you do. You change us, God, from the inside out. God, that's so awesome and so powerful to see. And we just praise you and we thank you for that this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Turn around and greet a few people around you. Tell them it's good to see them this morning. Yes. Amen. What a great start to our service this morning. And as I was praying and talking there, I don't ever want to miss an opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord. I mean, every chance we get to come together, you know, the week I had to miss there on the 10th, I hated it. Like, I don't ever wake up and say, oh, I don't know if I really want to go to church today. That just never crosses my mind. Because if I can be here, I want to be here. It doesn't cross my mind to say, oh, it's really nice out. I'm just going to lay out. Not literally. That'd be disgusting. <laughs> but I don't want to miss an opportunity to be here when the doors are open. I just, it just doesn't cross my mind. And I, hopefully you guys feel the same way that every time we come together, you want to be here. And it's an opportunity to, again, just worship the Lord and be in his presence. And I, and I love that because everything else doesn't matter in that moment. Just me and God. We're, I'm just—I'm talking to Him, singing to Him. He's talking to me and settling my heart. And I love it. I love it. And I hope you guys feel the same. Amen. Amen. Wake up today. It's a little tiredness spirit in this place. It's kicking on out of here. All right. We are starting a new series this morning. Um, called Who's the Boss, Lord of All or Not Lord at All. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to preach hard today. <laughs> in a loving, always in a loving way, but there's some things we need to settle and there's some things that we need to talk about over the next four or five weeks. And we're going to start that tonight. Who's the Boss, Lord of All or Not Lord at All? And we're going to be looking at the Lordship of Jesus and this morning, as we talk about who's the boss, we're going to look at the question, what is lordship? What does that mean? You know, who's the boss? Who's, what's the lordship over me? And we're going to look at the words of Jesus, and we're going to begin to understand what it's like as Christians to really submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, because we're not all doing that, myself included, all right? To really submit to him, to really ask ourselves, who's the boss? Is he truly lord of all, or is he not lord at all in my life? And, and Chuck Colson once said this, he said, the greatest challenge facing the church today is to reassert the lordship of Jesus Christ. Put him back in the place that he is supposed to be. That's talking about the church, us in the church. And his statement can be backed up by a number of polls as I was reading things this morning. As, as we look at this topic, there's a major drop in polls of people who see religion as, in, as an important part of their lives anymore. It's dropping. There's 30% there's of people who are walking away from Christianity. That's scary. There's walking away. Also, we know from just looking around that there's been a moral decline in our society. Yes or no? Yes. Extreme. It's disgusting. It's weird. It's crazy. It's, in, it's insane. All of that stuff. We're seeing it happening all around us every single day. But the, these polls that I was reading reveal that there's little difference between those that go to church and those that don't. That's not good. Because we don't understand who's the boss and the lordship of Jesus Christ that should be in our lives. 
There's little difference. There's an increase in the lack of difference in the atmosphere of the church and the atmosphere of the world. I don't believe it's like that here, but the church in general, the atmosphere is not much different than what the world is. Problem. It's a problem. 75% of the people think religion is losing its impact or influence on the world. 75%. And today, again, as we we see this stuff all around us, our world is a mess, and we as Christians are not making much of an impact in the world. That's my only answer. We're not making an impact outside of here. Because if we were, we'd be going up against some of this stuff that's happening right now and being bold about it and not being shy. Told you, it's going to be rough. Some of the things we're reading about in the news right now are absolutely insane. There are kids that think they're, they're furries. You guys are laughing. It's, it's a real thing. That they think they're animals. What are we doing? I, here's what I do know. That all of this is driven by demonic forces and sin. That's the bottom line. There's a lot of sin and the devil's going around doing what he wants to do and not getting much resistance from the church and definitely not from the world. We're a world full of sin right now. And these demonic forces are grabbing a hold of people and making them say and do some crazy, crazy things that make no sense at all. And, you know, why is it more evident now than ever before that we're losing influence, that the religion, religion's losing influence, or Christians are losing influence? Why is there so little difference between those who are attending church and those that are not? Because, again, I think it's because we as believers, we still really don't understand to this day what it means to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in every area of our lives. A lot of churchgoers, and please, please, please take all this in love this morning. Please. Okay? A lot of churchgoers don't show any regard to Christ and how they lead their lives. It's not necessarily here. Some. We're not perfect. In other words, some of us come to church on Sunday, church-wide, nationwide, Listen to the worship music. You'll listen to the message. You might even open up your Bible and highlight something real cute. And you close your Bibles. You walk out of here, out of the church, get in your car, and you live the rest of the week as a Christian chameleon. You just blend in. You're one way here, and we're something else when we get outside of here. I love you. We, we leave... We leave our values and our principles and the things we learn here at the church property and then we just go blend in with everybody else. You don't have to amen me, God is. But we can't live this way. And then we, then we come back the next week and we submit to the boss Jesus again. Oh, I love you, Lord. Thank you for this great feeling I had today on Sunday again. And uh, I'm just going to go out and do what I want the rest of the week again. Thanks a lot. I'll see you next Sunday. This is a problem. It's a problem in the churches of America that we come in here acting one way and we go out living another. And because he's not the Lord of our life. Is this? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Again, lack of Christians submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. And we have so many, so many so-called believers that will not stand up for what is right based on this book. We just go with the flow and we talk about how crazy things are. We're good at that, but we're not really doing a whole lot about it. We're not rising up against it. And James, you know, take that into consideration. In James 4, 17, if you'll turn there or see it on the screen. I love you. I'm going to say that a lot this morning. This is just the intro. In James 4, 17, it says this, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's not me. That's right there. That's in the Bible. It's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not doing it. 
So if we know how we should be living, we know how we should be taking a stand, and we're not doing it according to this, we are sinning. So we need to stand up as believers and let people know that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. We will not back down. We will stand up for truth, and we will proclaim the Lordship of Jesus. We will. We cannot afford to back down. Some of the stuff your kids are seeing right now and experiencing you just want to put a little umbrella over them and shield them from it. But it's reality. And as I was talking to these guys as we were blessing these babies, and I said, it's your responsibility to train them up. The only way you can train somebody up in something is if you know how to do it yourself. Amen. So parents, family members, church, in order to train these babies and, and bless these babies and bring them up in the Lord, we have to be doing it ourselves. And then instilling that into them. We can't adhere to a particular belief on Sundays and then go out in the crowd and act like we want the rest of the week. We just can't do it, and we are. Not all of us, but we are doing it, if you'll be honest with yourself. Another article I read said this, out of all the churchgoers in America, 10% cannot be found. I don't even know what that means. But of all the churchgoers that were polled, 10% can't even be found. I don't know how you polled them in the first place. And here's another one that doesn't make sense. 20% churchgoers never attend church. They say they do, but they don't go. 20%. One out of five people say they go, but they never go. 25% of churchgoers, 25% of us in here never pray. Never. 30% never read the Bible. 40% never give to the church. I'm not up here asking for your money, but 40% of churchgoers are disobedient in the word and tithes and offering. They don't give. Listen to this one. 75% never volunteer at the church or assume any responsibility with their church. 75%. I love coming here, but I don't want to do anything. It's getting good. 85% Never attend a midweek service. Woohoo! We have church on Wednesdays. Amen. <laughs> so shameless plug there. 95%. Now this is baffling. Okay? What what is the, the Great Commission? What are we supposed to do? Somebody said our slogan. Well, it's kinda. <laughs> We're supposed to go out and reach people for the Lord, right? To win people to Christ. 95% of churchgoers have never won one person to the Lord. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. Is he Lord of all? And yet 100% think that they're going to heaven. Now, let's, let's listen to some words of Jesus Again, these aren't Rick's words. They're the words of Jesus. Turn to Matthew 7. Scripture you guys are familiar with, I'm sure. If you're a first-time guest here, I love you too. I'm not always this mean. But I'm saying it in love to challenge you. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Again, the words of Jesus. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Right there it is. I never knew you. And we need to talk about that this morning, in these coming weeks. And again, I'm not trying to sound critical, I'm not sounding judgmental, because I can tell by some of your faces already, that's how you're taking it. Rick is just, what a jerk. He's supposed to love people. I'm not doing this to sound critical or judgmental, I'm doing this... Because I know if we can get a hold of the lordship of Jesus in our lives individually, what that will do for you spiritually and what it will do for our church as a whole. I know what will change around here when we all grab a hold of who really is the boss of our lives.
And we understand it's not us. It's not what we want to do. It's all about him. Everything in our life, everything we say, everything we do, every action, everything we have is his. It should be under his lordship. And I know what can happen in this place if we'll listen to this over the next four or five weeks and we'll apply it to our lives. Myself included. I'm stepping on my own toes. Making Jesus the boss of our lives to give him lordship over us. It will change your spiritual life trajectory to start going like this. We're going to bring things out in the next four or five weeks that you maybe don't even think of. But you can ask yourself, man, maybe he's not the Lord of my life. Maybe he's not. And I need to make him that way. And what I need for you guys this morning, for myself as well, is that as we talk about and we teach these words of Jesus that are found throughout the Gospels, my prayer is that we would all obey them. That's not difficult as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus, to obey what he asks us to do. Obey it. And as we talk about the lordship of Jesus and making him the boss of our lives, how we have to make sure that every single part of our life, that means things I say should come under the lordship of Jesus. What? Rick, sometimes I let stuff fly. I know, but it should be submitted under him before it comes out. Sometimes I get really mad and I just... mm. And I do some things, and I let some people know about it. Submit to the lordship of Jesus before things come out. It's going to change you. It'll change the way you do things. So, I'm through the introduction. (laughs) Let's get into this. Who's the boss? What is lordship? So, I'm going to go over five things as fast as I... No, I'm not. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to give what God gave me, and we'll just go with it, okay? Five things this morning concerning what lordship is, making sure we know who's the boss. First one, lordship is accepting the sovereignty of God. Okay, this is where it all begins right here, accepting the sovereignty of God. Matthew 8, verse 2 says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, this leper understood what lordship was. He understood that God is sovereign and that God can do everything and anything that he wants to. He's in control. And the definition of sovereign is this, one who possesses and exercises supreme authority over an individual or group, an acknowledged leader, a controlling influence. That's lordship, okay? It all begins there. It begins with you and me saying, God, you are sovereign. You're over it all. And I understand that. You're over it all. You own everything. You're in control of everything. And this is where we have to start as believers, that God is sovereign. And if you look back and study the great, li- the, the great lives of men and women of God, they started with this. They understood this right off the bat. Before God started moving in big ways in their life, they understood that he was sovereign. He was Lord of it all. They, they made that, de- that declaration inside of them and to him that you're Lord of all, you are sovereign. Okay? C.S. Lewis said this, In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. Okay, I'm going to read that again. C.S. Lewis. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, And therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison. You do not know God at all. So in defining lordship is accepting the sovereignty of God. God is the owner. He's the controller. And he's sovereign over everything in my life. All of it. Second thing. Lordship is placing God first in your life. He's the boss when he's first in everything. All of it. Every single thing in your life. When someone says, what does it mean to make Jesus the Lord of my life? You guys have heard that, right? We say it all the time. You just need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I don't do it, but you need to. That's what they tell me. You need to make him the Lord of your life. What it means is to place him first in every single area of your life. Everything. And someone asked Jesus this question in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. 
It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And, and something we need to understand this morning is that when they asked Jesus this, what's the greatest commandment of the law? There were over 600 laws to choose from. And so they ask him, which is the greatest? And you guys know the answer to this in verse 20, or chapter 22, 37 through 40. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I think sometimes we skim over that. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. You love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So he tells us, you got to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you can get these two things down... The rest of those over 600 will take care of themselves. If I can love the Lord with everything within me, my whole heart, my whole mind, all my strength, then everything else, and I can love my neighbor as myself, everything else will be taken care of. Because he's Lord of it all. He has lordship over me. What's the first commandment in the Old Testament? No other gods before me. Same thing. Lordship is placing God first in our life. And again, great men and great women of God always place him first. You want to be used by God, place him first in everything in your life. You want to be used in mighty ways, do this. Recognize his sovereignty. I want God to have every part of Rick's. I don't want to hold anything back from him. I don't want to say, Lord, you can have 75%, but this, the rest of this is just me and this is the way I want to be. I want him to have it all. I want for you guys to say, God, you can have all of me. Every area of my life, take it. Let it glorify you. Let me submit to you. And we ask ourselves this morning, have we given up everything in our life to the Lordship of Christ? If you don't trust him with all, you don't trust him at all. Okay? We've got to give 100% allegiance to God and renounce our old. And when we come to him... And that old life is gone. We're a new creation. So we renounce all that stuff from our past and we walk in the sovereignty of God and we submit everything to him now. I'm new. I'm different. He's in control of everything on me. Everything. I think, I think it's safe to say that, think about this, that we love Jesus as our Savior, but he may not be the Lord of our life. We love him as our, I'm so thankful he saved me, but is he truly the Lord of your life? Third thing, lordship is accepting accountability and responsibility. Okay, again, God is the owner of everything. He gives us gifts. He gives us blessings. He gives us talents. And lordship is accepting what God has given us and doing something with it. It's quiet. Matthew 25 is the story of the talents or the money, depending on what version you're reading. I'm not going to read the whole story, but the master of these servants gives one five, gives the other two, and the other one one. In Matthew 25, 14, it says, and again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Okay? They were the master's possessions. But he entrusted them to these individuals. And God entrusts blessings and talents to us as well. He gives us things. What I was talking about in these babies up here, there's things in them right now that the parents don't know about, the kids don't know about. As they're trained up, though, they're going to come out as they're trained up in the Lord. There could be a pastor there. It could be an evangelist there, a missionary there, a worship leader there. We don't know yet. But God puts things in all of us to be used for him, to glorify him. So he gives them, again, one five, one two, the other person gets one. And, and know this this morning as well, that God's gifts are not equally given. Well, that's not fair. They're not. There's people in this room that have a lot more giftings than I do. Right? And I may have one or two more than somebody else in here. It's not about that. He gives gifts in different amounts to different people. 
So the first person takes a five and doubles it. The one with the two also takes it, doubles it. The one with one takes it and he buries it and he hides it. Does nothing with it. Okay? So another observation out of this story is that people respond differently to what God has given them. Some people will take it and run with it. God, you put this in me. You give me this gift. I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it for your glory. And I'm going to watch you multiply it. Other people get a gifting put in them. They know it and they just sit on it and do nothing with it. It's not good for you. You're going to find out in this story. Okay? So as the story continues on, the master of those servants comes back and settles the accounts with them. (laughs) So what... He is showing us is that all of us will be held accountable for what we did with what God gave us. Every single person in here, whatever God's put in you, whatever talents and giftings and blessings and all the stuff that he's put in your life, you're going to be held accountable for what you did with it. You're going to give an account of everything God gave you and how you used it for his kingdom or you didn't. Verses 20 through 30 in the story shows us that all of us will be rewarded for how we develop God's blessings. And most of us know how the story goes. The master comes back and to the ones who had taken and used the talents, he multiplied them and he says, well done, you're a good faithful servant. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. But to the one that took the talent and buried it or hid it, didn't do anything with it, the master had given him, he says this to him in in verses 24 through 30 of, of chapter 25, Matthew Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. I want to make something crystal clear this morning. When God gives us something, he doesn't want it to come back in the same way that he gave it to us. He doesn't want us to sit on it. Whatever God blesses us with on our journey with him through gifts and blessings and talents, he never wants it back the same way. You're supposed to use it. You're supposed to be responsible with it and accountable with it. And he wants it wisely invested. So what's the master say to this servant who didn't use the gift that he was given? Verse 26, the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. I should have yelled that because there's an exclamation point. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Ooh, you just lost it. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Let's give an example. God's given you the gift of singing. You're sitting on it, not using it. According to this, he could just take it away from you. That doesn't even make sense. I can sing so beautifully. Well, the next time it's going to sound like some cackling thing that doesn't make any sense at all and it hurts our ears. He can take it away if you're not using it. That's on you, okay? And then it says, now throw this useful servant, useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. Just for not, I mean, I, I took what you gave me. I just, and I gave it back to you. But you didn't do anything with it. You weren't responsible with it. And two men looked at the master's expectations as a blessing. And they said, you bless me with these things and I want to do my best to use them to, to the best of my ability and glorify you in this. These two servants looked at God's blessings as blessings, but the other one looked at it as a burden and he didn't even do anything with it. And people ask all the time, why does God give different people different talents and and in different amounts? Some of you are thinking that. It's not fair. But it's pretty simple. You know, the master knew these servants before he left. He knew who he could trust with much. And he knew who he couldn't trust because he knew them. Okay? God increases our gifts and our talents and our influence when we utilize them for the kingdom of heaven and reproduce them for God. If we don't grow spiritually as a church, 
first and foremost spiritually as a church and follow the Holy Spirit and do what God would have us to do as a body, you know, and see growth spiritually and numerically, then I'm not the right person to be up here. Because God's instilled in me things that I need to be accountable with and responsible for and multiply those things. And as I do that, as I follow his leading, he shows up in this place and does what only he can do because he's sovereign, he's in charge of it all. And then he'll give me more influence on things. But if I just sit on it and say, I cannot believe this. I get to Pastor Orchardville Church. Look at me. We're just going to coast through and hope they keep me around for a while. And I do nothing to be obedient to what he's put inside of me. He can just pull that rug out right from under me and take it all away. I'll just beat myself up. Okay? God increases our gifts and our talents, and again, the influence when we utilize them for the kingdom of heaven and reproduce them for God. And it's also a fact that he withdraws them from us when we don't use them. And we're accountable to God. What he gives us. We have a responsibility to uphold with what is given to us. So we've talked about who's the boss. You know, lordship is submitting to the sovereignty of God. It's making sure God's first in our lives, and it's an accountability and responsibility. The fourth thing, lordship is doing the will of God. Okay? Doing the will of God. So it's not, it's not only important of what you say, what comes out of your mouth, but it's equally important in what you do. Okay? Matthew 7, we'll go back there again, 21 through 27. Let me read this real quick. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesy prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name. I went to Orchardville Church every single week, Lord. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And again, what he's saying here is not everyone who makes the profession of my name is in my kingdom. He says, I never knew you. Yeah, but I was here every Sunday, Lord. I followed along in the Bible sometimes. I even read it when it was on the screen. I was paying attention. But what about the rest of the week? What were you doing then? Where was that light of Jesus in you when you were at that ball game? At your school ball game or at your son or your daughter's game and you was yelling some really bad stuff at the referees or the coaches or the players. Where was I then? If I'm Lord of all, then you don't talk like that. You don't say things like that because that doesn't represent me very well. And I say, I don't know you because you're not making me Lord of all. You know, where, where, where was this confession of faith? Where was this when, when things were hard in your life and you just quit on me? And, and, and you, just, you just, and I know as, as Christians, we go through things and we go through struggles, but that's not the time to, to disregard God. And say, now you don't have lordship over my life now because this is hard. That's when we need him the most. We can't, we can't go out of here after Sunday and say things and do things and have these actions that ruin our testimony. For one, it's, a, it's an accountability thing between us and God. For others, it's for everybody around us. What you just give the name of Jesus? Bon Jovi, you give love a bad name. Shut <laughs> up. Should have had you guys get that for me, Carlin. But we don't want him to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Outside of Sunday mornings, I didn't know you. And that's one of our biggest issues as a body of believers today. You know, I would think with as, with as many spirit-filled believers that we have, we would see big outbreaks of God's spirit in our communities right now. We should be seeing that. 
if he's the boss and he's sovereign and he's in control of everything in our lives and we're displaying that for others, we should be seeing the spirit break out in Flora and Fairfield and Wayne City and Mount Vernon and Salem, Iuka, all these tents, Sisney. We should see the spirit of the Lord breaking out because we're in there. We've got to get to a point that when we see this craziness going on in our world, in love, we rise up together as spirit-filled believers and we say enough's enough. This is enough. My child has had, to, has had to endure this stuff, has had to see this stuff, and I'm about to, you know, let you guys know this is what this, is, this kingdom is about. Here on earth, this is what we're about in my household. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to take a stand as well. And you're going to hear what we have inside of us because God is sovereign. He is the Lord of our lives. And we're not going to sit by and listen to all this stuff without speaking our mind as well. I'm not going to hide this light under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. We have this lordship issue. We don't know who the boss is, and we certainly aren't making him the Lord of all. You know, a lot of times we'll say, God, and I'm just about done. Use me, Lord. Use me, use me, use me. But there's some guidelines to that. Only when I'm ready, <laughs> you can use me. On my terms, you can use me. But that's not having Christ as the Lord of your life. Seek to know him. We can't obey God's word if we don't know it. Back to that percentage of people that don't even read the Bible, churchgoers. We can't obey God's word if we don't know it. We can't make him the Lord of our life, the boss of our life, until we know who he is and what his word says. Okay? How can you know the will of God if we don't even know him? Seek to know and your actions will show that you know he's the boss. Many Christians, you know, do know a lot of the word, but here's, here's where we see a problem with that. We're educated, but that doesn't mean we're obedient. <laughs> doesn't mean we're obedient. Many of us are educated well above our level of obedience. I know so much Bible. I know so much of the word. And we have so many resources right now to feed us, but we're educated way above our level of obedience. I know what it says. I just don't do it. And that's a problem. Don't just say the right things, do them as well. If we're really part of his kingdom, our actions are going to back that up. They're going to back up our words. If we're not doing the will of the Father through our actions, based on that scripture, he doesn't even know us. And that's scary. But praise team would come back up. The fifth thing, as I close out, is lordship is personal obedience no matter the cost. No matter what it's going to cost you, personal obedience is saying, Lord, you are sovereign. You are the Lord of my life. You are the boss. I'm going to obey you no matter what it costs me. It's going to take some guts for me to stand up and, and declare your word in the midst of this chaos right now. But no matter the cost, I want to be obedient to what you ask me to do. You remember how Peter denied Jesus three times after he said he wouldn't? He had decided the cost was too high to proclaim Jesus as Lord in that moment. And I fear that some of us may be that same way. When it comes right down to it and you may lose your life, will you still proclaim Jesus as Lord? Or will we deny him? And after Jesus rose from the dead and visited with Peter and talked with him, he asked him the same question three different times. What was that question? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter got kind of offended by this repeated question. Of course I do. And Jesus is like, listen, when, you're young, when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. But now you're my disciple. You are following me. And things are going to be different. Okay? You're not going to do what you want to do anymore. No matter the cost, you now make me Lord of all. And Peter, he's got some issues. And he's like, well, what about this other disciple, Lord? What about, what about them? 
And don't we do that sometimes? Misery loves company. What about them, God? They're not doing that. They're not doing it either. And Jesus is like, don't you worry about them or that person or this person. You do what I've called you to do and be obedient in that. No matter the cost, personal obedience. So as you guys stand this morning, we open these altars. I want you to ask yourself this question again, this question again as you bow your heads this morning. Who's the boss? Is he truly the Lord of your life this morning? Every area, every word, every action in your finances, in your home, everything the Lord has given you, is he the Lord of it all right now? And I know he's your savior, but is he Lord of your life? Because again, he's either Lord of all or he is not the Lord at all. So this morning, Father, as we open up these altars, God, I know I preach tough and said some challenging things. And Lord, may even spoke a little longer than what some people liked. But it's important, Father, that we understand that you are in charge. That we, when we submit our lives to you, when we surrender to you, that you truly have to be the Lord of our life for you to use us the way that you want to use us. So God, right now, I pray for hearts that are challenged this morning to come and find a place to pray. Lord, if they recognize that you are not indeed not the Lord of all in their lives right now, Father, me included, that we find a place to pray and we check our heart and we understand that you are the boss and that everything we say and do flows through you and then comes out of us, Father. Lord, we wanna make you the Lord of our life this morning. So if there's anybody in here that hasn't done that and recognizes, man, I'm not. I mean, I'm acting different when I go out of here and that's gotta change. I pray they come this morning and get right with you, God. Or if there's anybody in here that doesn't know your son as, as their savior, I pray they come this morning and surrender their life to you. Father, anybody needs healing in this place, you are our healer. We're gonna pray, Father. So I just encourage you this morning as we seek him in worship to find a place and make him the Lord of all. You know, you know your heart. If you'll be honest with yourself, I'm being honest with myself. I have not made him Lord of everything. Be honest this morning. And if you need to get some things right with the Lord, come and find a place to pray. And let's just seek him this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Be still. There is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy unfailing his arms a fortress for the weak let faith arise